The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this Stockhead podcast. I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Today we're revisiting nickel, copper, cobalt exploration and development in Canada with Corazon Mining. To bring us up to date, we are delighted to welcome back to the podcast the company's managing director, Brett Smith. Now, Brett, we spoke in October last year and your company was managing the impact of the pandemic on its operations on the ground in Manitoba. Uh, Since then, the market price for nickel has jumped from about 14,500 US dollars a ton to over to nearly 20,000 US dollars a ton. It's currently 18 US thousand dollars a ton and copper has moved even more impressively from about three dollars to four dollars sixty a pound. Brett, what is your understanding of the drivers for this metal activity over the last six months or so? Hello Peter and it's good to talk again. Yes. Um, well I think it's basically just the forecast in demand and the growth in demand. There's a lot of uh, I guess analysis and critique about future demand for all the metals in the in the new world. Uh, regarding batteries, uh, renewable energy, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, so when you look at these metals, particularly class one nickel, and you match it up against, I guess the most easily men, uh, measurable criteria would be electric vehicles. You can see this wave of demand coming for EV metals, but also battery metals. Yeah, and I think um, there's a lot more copper. People don't realise how much more copper is in an electric vehicle like a Tesla than uh, the amount of copper that's in an internal combustion engine vehicle. Yeah, copper uh, and aluminium. Yeah, and and also, uh, of course, nickel, uh, which is hardly any nickel at the moment is is used in uh in lithium-ion batteries i mean it's a very like less than a hundred thousand tons or some out of a market of like two 2.1 million tons per annum but the expectations are that that's going to rise dramatically to you know sort of over five hundred thousand tons over a 10 or 15 year period so you know nickel and copper are both in this renewable energy um sort of um move forward yeah, well, the, the forecast growth and demand for nickel, 43% of that growth is from electric vehicles alone. Yeah, just in the batteries. And, of course, in the short term, we've also had uh, supply constraints coming out of South America for both, uh, for certainly for copper from uh, Brazil and uh, Chile, uh, as uh, a lot of those mines are operating with like 70% of their workforce because the other 30% are, are sick with the virus. Yeah, hopefully that's a short-term uh, issue, Peter, and we can get on top of that. But uh, regardless, when you look at nickel alone, there's just not enough nickel there to satisfy the forecast and demand. So yeah. the market will have to source uh, other nickel supply other than Class One nickel, and, and part of that is not only changing chemistry of batteries, but also um, also change, uh, I guess, upgrading Class Two nickel to Class One products, yeah. and then that's a higher cost. Uh, financially, it's a higher cost to to do that. So that really underpins the growth in the nickel price, I think. Yeah, and uh, Brett, we we had um, Elon Musk a couple of months ago in his battery day, you know, basically down on his hands and knees begging miners to please, you know, make more nickel. You know, so he needs it for his batteries. Yeah, I don't think it's going to change in the in the short term. That's for sure. Yeah, so Brett, can you just reacquaint the listener with uh, Corazon's 
asset positions in Manitoba. What have you got there? Uh, Corazon owns 100% of the old Lynn Lake Mining Centre. It mined for about 24 years, shut down in 1976. So we've we've acquired and grown this project over a number of years. We first got our foot in the door at Lynn Lake in about 2010, and now, now we own 100%. Um, it's got large high quality jork resources it's got about 16.3 million tons at a, a 0.5 nickel cutoff um, and uh, that's of, at a grade very similar to what was historically mined and we've always thought Lynn Lake was an excellent exploration play you know uh, with the mine shutting down in 1976 and and really the project falling apart there hasn't been I guess a, an encompassing exploration front for nickel in this area and our understanding of these deposits and our technology and exploring for these deposits has changed significantly since back then. Yeah, and so in the last 45 years, the whole geophysics has just come, you know, leaps and bounds. So you're in a very strong position to go back and, and have a look. And I noticed when we spoke last October, the companies drilling at Lynn Lake had hit some high grade of nickel uh, and copper at very shallow depths. And then there was a deeper zone uh, discovered uh, sort of bonanza grades of nickel and copper over a width of nearly 24 metres. Um, what's been the follow-up on that work? Well, that's, that, most of that exploration was uh, directed and driven by historical drilling. And yeah. um, you know, we're just following our nose. We're looking at the rocks and we're understanding these systems and we're, we're drilling. Um, the, the, I guess the... Um, the desire to do the drilling uh, early in the year and target that near-surface mineralisation in the mining centres to find some near-surface tonnes for a, a new development, new mining operation. And I guess the the drive to find the deeper, higher-grade stuff is also a longer-term thing for the project. So it's a, it's a, almost a, an encompassing strategy we have there based on uh, looking at the uh, development potential but adding to the resource but also looking for new new systems and new uh, deposits to add to, uh, I guess, what will be a long-life, mine, a long-lived mining operation. So what's been achieved over the, the recent summer? Oh, well, Peter, we trialled, we've, talking about exploration, we've had a lot of difficulty in the past using uh, electromagnetics, and electromagnetics is a go-to tool for nickel sulphide exploration, uh, particularly here in Australia and Canada. At Lynn Lake, um, aerial EM and ground EM just doesn't work. There's too much surface conductance. We get no penetration and also we get a lot of false po- po- false positives that aren't nickel sulphide. So earlier last year, or later last year, we trialled a new method called Mobile MT. It's a it's a, not a time domain EM system. It's a very passive EM system that revolve, uh, involves really the Earth's own magnetic field. And it, it's a new system, new new process, but it did show us up uh, show us some very good areas of conductance and we've gone and drilled those uh, those anomalies. Yeah, so that's a very subtle anomaly, you know, using the Earth's uh, magnetic system. And, and so what have you got, some uh, downhole uh, electromagnetics on, on these uh, these drillings or what's, what's been the, yeah, the go I, forward? I guess you know, as a geologist, uh, we all know that you never drill off your aerial surveys. You do ground EM and then you go down and you drill it and then you do downhole EM. So we've had to skip the ground EM bit and we've gone straight yeah. from the aerial EM anomaly straight into drilling. So it's it's a, it's a big ask to actually hit the sweet spot with the drill hole when you're targeting off an aerial anomaly. But we, we, got, uh, we didn't hit any massive sulphide, but um, we've 
performed downhole EM and with the downhole EM we can get below the surface conductance quite well and that showed a number of plates not far from the drilling. Uh, downhole EM can see about you know, between 30 and 80 metres from the hole uh, quite effectively and very accurately maps what we call plates, is which, uh, plates which is what the geophysicists interpret as uh, uh, sulphide of strong content which will conduct. Yeah. So these positive results from this geophysical surveys that you've done is, seems to be pointing the way for the next round of drilling. Uh, what are your plans on this front to follow up on these uh, EM plates that you've identified? Well, I guess uh, we want to go in and, and drill some of these plates. Our best plate's probably almost 300 metres down dip and uh, 85 metres long, and that, that would equate to something like the sea deposit in the main mining area, which produced 1.2 million tonnes by itself. So uh, they're quite big targets. Um, and if we do drill some of these plates and we get uh, further encouragement, uh, be it nickel sulphide, then we've got, a, uh, I guess, a process of drilling downhole EM, drilling downhole EM, for a very large area and uh, now we're already interpreting what we've got from this last drilling and putting that back into our models and if our models are correct and we do hit nickel sulfide a fraser lake which is about 9k south of the main mining center has the potential to be uh, have an area of interest twice as big as the main mining center so it's, it's quite yeah. exciting for us yeah so but we just need to go that next step and put that hole into that nickel sulfide yeah so brett the company's just put out a um another a presentation uh, which you gave to the conference in uh, over east and I think it'd be worthwhile for uh, subscribers to go in and have a look find that presentation on the um, the website and have a look because it I think those um, maps that are there pretty much explain what you've just said about the uh, the anomalism and the uh, the targets that you've identified yeah well hopefully um, uh, investors can get a sense from those plans and images, it's always very difficult to put a lot of technical information into a into a presentation. But um, we're we're really happy with this new um, geophysical process and the the results of it to date. It's uh, it's something that we can take and put over the whole project area. And there's a number of other plugs that we haven't even looked at that uh, that, that uh, Sherrod Gordon in the 1940s, I'm sorry, nine, late 1940s and early 1950s discovered nickel sulphide and they have never been explored for. So we're hopeful that um, with success with the current phase of exploration at Fraser Lake that we can expand our, um, our, our, I guess, exploration activities in the whole area. Yeah, and so you you know you're running in through uh, spring and into uh, the summer period, so should be able to get a, a decent run at it. Um, uh, you know, as we run through May, June, July, August. Yeah, fortunately, a lot of these targets we're looking at now are on high ground, so it's, um, we just need the um, the melt to continue a bit. Our, also, our team were um, had put in some very hard yards from late January up until we stopped drilling very recently, and it um, with COVID, it's really hard to swap crews in and out so yeah. uh, we took the decision to really try to keep the core of the team there and not not mobilize too many people so yeah it's a, it's an ongoing process managing uh, the COVID yeah. situation at the moment so if uh, if this is successful and you you do this drilling through the coming summer period uh what would be potential options for Corazon to actually commercialize these uh these uh this mineralisation that you're targeting and the, the mineralisation that you've already outlined. 
Well, it'll be a, a new discovery and it'll sit beside you know, 16 to 20 million tonnes of high-quality uh, jork resource in the mining centre. So you would you would look at, okay, um, you'd really be in an enviable position, really, yeah, um, how you would develop a new mining operation with a long-lived tail of, of proven, you know, very high-quality um, resource close by so uh, it's it's a the history of lynn lake is it it grew over a period of time and that they just really kept drilling and drilling and drilling and finding more so that's how these things are so are there concentrators and smelters nearby or is the concentrate shipped out somewhere else or well historically they used to make a concentrate and rail it out that railway line is still there uh there's also a road to thompson thompson did have a smelter, but it's shut down. But really, if you look at Lynn Lake now, it's it's so much closer to the market for these metals than it previously was. Now we we do have a rail link, and once to North America, it needs a bit of work done on it, but it's still there. And if you have um, in a couple of provinces over, there's still the operating plant where this con- Lynn Lake concentrate used to be railed too, owned by Sherritt, and Sherritt have a H-power plant there, so one of the lowest cost operating H-power plants in the world. They treat concentrate from Cuba. Um, so that's very a very efficient plant. Um, they've recently opened up a new railway line that would link Lynn Lake up to Hudson Bay. Hudson Bay doesn't freeze over anymore. It's, um, so you would have sea access to all of Europe and North America in addition to the rail access to North America. So it's, an, it's in a really good place with respect to... I guess shipping out your product, whatever that product was, but yeah. no, also we have we have the option now to stand back and have a look at this mining operation and say, you know, do we want to ship concentrate or do we want to go that one step further on site and produce sulfates? Yeah, for yeah, the battery yeah, industry. sulfates for the battery market because the high pressure acid leach uh, project, the HPAL that you talked about, that would be treating um, uh, concentrates from uh, Cuba. Is that are they sulfides or is that an oxide? Yeah, no, that well, that's that's nickel laterite. Yeah, so yeah, if you look at the H-Power system, that was developed by Sherrod Gordon from uh, mineralization from the ore of Lynn Lake. So yeah, and when they shut down Lynn Lake, they went straight down to Cuba and started mining nickel laterite. Yeah. So, so um, you're not in a position like in Cambalda or Kalgoorlie where you can you know basically dig ore and and toll process it through a concentrator or send it to a, a, a smelter. But so the option would be to bang up a, a concentrator there and, and ship the concentrate out one way or that, the other. That's one option. But I think if you do your numbers, and a few companies have done these numbers in recent times, um, the option of have, having a, a pressure oxidation plant or something like that, which is yeah. off-the-shelf technology, is is quite good because you produce you basically uh, capture much more high sorry high percentage of your metals to start with. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's you know, the price of um, pre- uh, building a flotation plant and, and making a concentrate is is not excessive, and that next step is uh, really, really, it's a tough decision for operators at the moment. And and on historical, I guess, uh, smelter costs and uh, benefication costs by external parties, you would probably build your own uh, pressure oxidation plant. Uh, yeah. we, did a, we did a conceptual study back in 2016 and, and 40% of the total OPEX was off, off-site concentrate costs. Yeah. Well, uh, Oceana uses high-pressure oxidation on their gold project in... Um, a southern island of New Zealand, and that works extremely well. It's a very small sort of process. So yeah, yeah, and you have complete control over all your waste products. It's a much yeah. cleaner, 
cleaner way to do things. Yeah, and you get all the cobalt and the copper as well, so that'd be great. So uh, finally, Brett, uh, northeast uh, New South Wales, you've got this Mount Gilmore sort of province style or at least uh, district scale uh, exploration targets there for copper, base metals, bit of gold, large porphyry targets. What's the way forward uh, there? Well, we're pretty much ready to dr- drill a couple of holes into it. So it's, um, we, I, th- I think we found a drilling contractor that can do it. We've got yep. government co-funding to drill two holes and really it would be the first drilling into a, a very significant um, copper, cobalt, silver geochemical anomaly yeah, where we have found mineralized porphyry on surface and where we do have an IP chargeability anomaly uh, along with the geochemical anomaly. So it's um it's for us it's this project is is has been incredible as far as an explorationist goes because it just gets better and better each time we we've done the work so we've been a, access to new south wales <laughs> believe it or not has been harder than uh, than canada with all the COVID off and on and our team being in, in western australia so we think we're at a point now where we can almost commit to the drilling uh, we've got the holes approved the permits approved uh, this um, drilling contract uh, we're talking to at the moment. So hopefully in the next uh, uh, month or so, we could get out, out there and, and drill the first holes into this new system. Yeah, so if there are any uh, technical people out there listening to the uh, the podcast, uh, they should go to your presentation, which we spoke about, and have a look at some of the images there. It's sort of eye-watering. I mean, I, you'd really want to just get out there and start doing some ground truthing, and that seems quite an exciting area and of course the logistics you know you're very close to the coast you've got people in you know towns and villages nearby it's uh you know it's not like you're out in the boondocks in um in the center of australia somewhere no that's right that's right there's a uh, we get a lot of inquiries about employment from that district and there's um you could do something uh, quite good there as far as a project goes that's for sure good for the communities the company's marshalling its funds fairly uh, closely and, and carefully but uh, when you look at it, the company's got a market capitalization of less than $10 million. And you'd seem with these uh, projects, especially uh, what's happening in Canada, to have a lot of exploration appeal. Yeah, it's, um, we tend to raise capital on a program by program basis. And we don't yeah. never have a, a big bank account, but we put most of our money into the ground and, and uh, live off the success of that. Um, we definitely... There's no other company on the ASX with the size resource with respect to nickel that we have and a market cap like we have. So I guess that's that's potential upside for investors should we be successful with our exploration. We do have two very good projects. Now, we've spent a, a long time growing growing uh, Lynn Lake, but we've also spent a long time looking at other assets around the world that uh, really marry with Lynn Lake. And uh, uh, Mount Gilmore for us has been an absolutely incredible project. Yeah, I mean, I those uh, in Canada could swallow a million dollars worth of drilling fairly swiftly, and you could you could put um, half a million dollars onto the ground in Mount Gilmore without wasting a penny. So, I think if you went back to your shareholders and said, "Here, we need you know a couple of million dollars just to do this work over the next eight to twelve months," you, you'd probably get a favourable response. Yeah, we I think because we uh, I guess we. Um, Inform our investors quite well what what our intentions are with the money as well. Yeah. We don't raise we don't raise money so the company can limp on. We raise money to do ex- exploration and make discovery, and that's that's what we are. We are explorationists, and we, we're actually doing a lot in the background on the the mining um, opportunity at Lynn Lake as well, and and um, 
building a very good team of engineers, geologists and, and technicians that can take uh, Lynn Lake and start from scratch, not assume how it should be mined, but look at the geology itself and then build up a build up a, a mining model for that. And if we believe that we can really or significantly reduce the unit costs of Lynn Lake through first principle and very good engineering and uh, so we're starting that as well. But that's not newsworthy, but it adds value. Uh, if the nickel price continues to grow, we could flick the switch on a, on a uh, feasibility study yep. with some confidence. Okay, Brett. Well, thanks for coming back in and uh, speaking with us, giving us an update on that progress uh, through the uh, northern winter period. And um, uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again once those projects have uh, progressed. So thanks again for coming into Stockhead. Now, thank you, Peter. It's good to chat.